0: at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Then Peter came to him and asked, him being Jesus, "Uh, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his counts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he was released to him. they went to the king and told him everything that had happened then the king called to the man he had forgiven and said you evil servant i forgave you that tremendous debt but you when you plead with me shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as i had mercy on you then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So obviously we're talking about forgiveness. In the next three weeks, we're going to do a sermon series that's all about forgiveness. Today I'm just going to be kind of introing it, giving you kind of the the quick, broad strokes of forgiveness. Pastor Don will be here next week to talk about asking for forgiveness, and then we'll finish up the series with about giving forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is one of those things that I think is missing from our culture. Uh, you just don't see it happen a lot around us, do you? And even within our church body, and i got to say, I'm not sure we practice forgiveness often with each other. This past eight months, kind of as things have started to open up, there's been a lot of people who have been hurting and, and coming to me, People, uh, couples that are in a rough spot or even couples looking to get married, as well as just other folks looking for some help. And a lot of times, this issue of forgiveness comes up as we're talking. And a lot of times when I bring it up, it's almost like deer in the headlights, right? I start talking about forgiveness, and they're like, what? What do you mean? What does that really look like? And so God's been kind of working in my heart about this, kind of bringing up a lot of different things, and, and as it is how he orchestrates things. Last May, I went to Oregon. My youngest daughter was graduating from college. We visited her church and lo and behold, the sermon was on forgiveness. Uh, one of their elders, Jim Trout, gave the, 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 the sermon, and he said some things that have been resonating with me and just kind of put some things that I've been thinking through into words a little bit. I've also been reading a number of books with cons- some contrasting thoughts and processes on forgiveness, books by a guy named Lewis Smead as well as Gregory Jones and Celestin Muscaka. And then also a gentleman named Tim Mackey, who's kind of the principal teacher of Bible Project, he has some things on forgiveness. And just kind of going through that, I've kind of amassed some things, and that's what I'm going to be sharing today. Is kind of walking through that. It's interesting when Jesus starts the parable part of this thing that he starts and he says the kingdom of God can be compared to. It's like forgiveness is so important and tied to the kingdom. And the statement that keeps coming to me is, when a community forgives well, they look a lot like the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that a great goal for our church, to look a lot like the kingdom of heaven? Forgiveness is rare, isn't it? We just don't see it a lot. We don't experience it much. And yet, scriptures say it's not optional. It's something we should be doing. I think it's a pivotal issue as a disciple of Christ that forgiveness be part of our life. You see, when you read through the pages of the New Testament in particular, think about our faith in Jesus. It's all based upon forgiveness. What would the gospel be like if we removed forgiveness from it, right? You know, Jesus became a man, he came to earth, he walked among us, he spent time teaching, doing miracles. He was betrayed, put on the cross, he died. Three days later, he rose again. Why? Forgiveness isn't part of the picture. Was it he was showing off? (laughs) He just was proving who he was. He wanted some good, you know, fish and chips while he was here. You know, what, what was the reason? The whole reason was forgiveness. He died so that we could have a Savior and be forgiven of our sins. It's that important to our walk of faith. Forgiveness is incredibly hard to do, and so that's partly why we're doing this sermon series, is to investigate it and to help all of us, to encourage us to ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness. Now I'm going to walk back through this this part of Matthew that I read earlier, and I'm going to give you kind of a running commentary as we go through it. Before I do, let me give you just a little bit of the context, okay? So in the book of Matthew, the beginning part of the book of Matthew, we hear a lot about who Jesus is, how he... He was born and everything, and and all of his miracles and ministry teaching through Galilee. At that point, he was teaching a lot to crowds. He was collecting his disciples and getting ready to go. At this part in the book of Matthew, the later part, he's on a journey to Jerusalem. He knows what's coming. He knows he's going for Passover, that he's going to be handed over to the Romans, and the rest of the story. And during this time, we see a lot of intensive teaching, particularly for the disciples, he was basically talking to the people who were supposed to carry his message forward to continue the mission, okay? And that's where we get this. Chapter 18 is kind of about conflict and conflict resolution. And so he's sitting here and he's teaching. And at one point, Peter being Peter, he's got to kind of clarify things and make sure he understands. He asks this question. He says, hey, Jesus, how many times am I supposed to really forgive somebody? Seven times? Now, seven's an interesting number in Scripture. It's kind of the perfect number. It represents God. It represents perfection. So I think Peter, he's either trying to look good or he's just maybe trying to apply something and say, hey, seven times? Because that probably sounds like a lot, right? And Jesus says, no, not seven. And of course, the disciples at that point are going, he's only going to say two or three, right? It's not that bad. And instead he says, seven times 70, or 70 times seven, 490 times. Basically, without count. That's a lot. A number of translations, actually, instead of saying that, they say 77 times. And I like that. And there's a reason for it. There are two places in Scripture where the number 7 and 77 come together. Here, in this part of the story, where Jesus is teaching. And the other one is from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 4. That story is like this. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They rebel against God. They eat the wrong fruit. God kicks them out. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. And then God basically confronts Cain and sends him out with a curse. And Cain's like, this is too much to bear. As I encounter anybody else, they're going to kill me. And God says, no. I'll let it be known that Anyone who does anything to you, it'll be repaid back to them seven times. That's the seven. Okay? And then Cain goes out. He has kids. They have kids, several generations, until we get to a gentleman named Lamech. And Lamech has a little poem that he writes that's in the Bible. And and basically, he killed a man because he crossed him. And Lamech at some point says, well, if Cain is going to be revenged seven times, I'm Lamech. I will be revenged 77 times because that's who I am. Isn't that kind of our nature? Somebody crosses us, what do we do? They started the argument, but I sure as heck am going to end it, right? I'm going to get even with them. They need to learn. That's what we do. Lamech comes out, doesn't it? And I think Jesus is kind of pointing at that, right? He's kind of pointing out that 7 and 77 times, and his disciples are going, Oh, man, (laughs) Jesus is doing it again. My old nature, my Lamech nature is going away, and Jesus is about to tell me a new nature I have to have. And that's exactly what he's doing here. He starts this parable. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to, and he's going to talk about forgiveness and he finds a debtor who owned him millions of dollars. Again, some translations will say 10,000, does anybody know? Talents. Okay? A talent was a measure of money that was basically 20 years of a blue-collar worker's wages. And given the life expectancy in that day, you could almost think of it as a lifetime's worth of income. 10,000 lifetime's worth of income. This is a huge sum of money. I think it's more than millions. It's probably trillions or gajillions or I don't know what the next level is. It's a huge amount of money. Now, Jesus, when he teaches, a lot of times he'll do this huge hyperbole, this over-exaggeration. And the purpose for it is a little bit of humor, but the purpose for it, too, is to polarize things to the point that we can see the story clearly, right? Right? This man has so much money. This is the level of money that nations owe each other, right? Not people. It's a huge amount. So the king orders that this man be sold. His wife, his children, everything he owns. It was a common cultural practice back then. It's called indentured servitude. Um, basically, it was a practice that if you owed a ton of money, you would sell yourself essentially into slavery. Um, Who you sold yourself to, they owed you room and board. They had to take care of you. But anything that you did, your labor, your work, was to pay the debt. Okay? And it sounds like something from a long time ago, but it really wasn't that long ago that here in the U.S., it it was still legal until 1917 to put yourself in indentured servitude, even in the U.S., The man pleads, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. I don't know how he's going to pay it. This is a huge sum of money. But his master has pity and releases him and forgives his debt. I would love somebody to forgive me of 10,000 talents worth of debt. That would be awesome. It just doesn't happen. What does the man do? He leaves and immediately comes across somebody else who owes him money few thousand dollars. In, in most translations, it'll also say 100 denarii. Denarii was just a silver coin, basically a coin for a day's worth of wages. So he was just forgetting, forgiven of 10,000 lifetimes of wages, and he's mad at somebody owes him three months' worth. See the difference? Huge, huge difference between them. Again, Jesus is exaggerating so that we get the idea. And the servant doesn't just demand payment, he chokes the man and demands payment. Lamech comes out for a few moments, right? He chokes him. The man pleads, Be patient with me and I'll pay it. The exact same words. But what does the servant do? He couldn't wait. He has the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid. He puts him in prison. Can you earn money in prison? Thank you. You're right, you can't. So basically, he puts them in a place that his debt can never be forgiven. Don't we do that with people who have wronged us? If we don't forgive them, a lot of times we put them in a place that there's no way they can ever dig themselves out of the hole. We're never willing to hear it. Forgiveness can make us vengeful irrational, just plain stupid. And that's what he's doing. A lot of other people see this. They saw the mercy the king gave, but they see the lack of mercy of this guy, and they go and tell the king. i got to say, people watch us too. They watch and they see, hey, we say we're forgiven by Christ. We say that we've been forgiven of this tremendous thing, and then how do we act? Our Lamech comes out. It impacts our witness. The king calls the man before him and says, You evil servant, I forgave you. Why didn't you show mercy? If he had used Jesus' words, he might have said, Why didn't you treat the person the way you wanted to be treated? Right? Golden rule. The angry king sends this guy to prison. He's imprisoned. He's not going to earn his debt back, really. And Jesus ties it up by saying, That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. These are serious words. What's the consequence here of not forgiving? It's not so much a salvation issue. I think we can can get tied into that. It's not so much that. It's that we will be imprisoned. If we don't forgive others, what it does is it keeps us from fellowship, relationship with God. Our heart posture is so hardened, we're incapable of really loving others. Now, do you, do you sit here and you go, hey, Mike, I'm, I'm pretty good at this forgiveness thing. I say I'm sorry all the time. I, I apologize. i got to say there is a huge difference between saying I'm sorry and asking for forgiveness. They're two very different things, and that's what we're going to be talking about here in this series a lot. This imprisonment thing, if we think about it for a few moments, you know, if we don't forgive somebody, what do we do? We become bitter. We lay at night and replay what happened over and over again. We hold a grudge. And you're going, but Mike, you don't understand how much they hurt me, how they intentionally went out of their way to do this to me. They need to learn. They need to be paid for this. Lamech. (laughs) That's a Lamech heart posture, not a Jesus' disciple, off Anytime that riles up inside of us, we have to war against that. That is not something that we can do because it hurts us. It hurts our relationship with Christ. Now, this passage sometimes is also misunderstood, maybe going the other way. Or sometimes people will take it and say, Jesus gives this huge number, I'm just supposed to always forgive. No matter what happens, I'm just going to forgive. Just openly forgive, 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 forgive. forgive. I'm going to be a doormat. I'm just going to let everybody walk over me. That's not actually what Jesus is saying here at all. When we read Scripture, it's important to know the background context. It's also good to know what's called the literary context. And that's taking a passage and looking what's around it in Scripture. The rest of chapter 18 is all about conflict resolution. And just a few passages before what I read is some really important things. Jesus tells us what to do when somebody hurts us, and it's not forgive initially. In Matthew 18, 15 to 17, he starts out and he says, okay, somebody sins against you. Somebody does something that hurts you. What are you supposed to do? Go talk to them. Wow. (laughs) That's surprising, right? How often do we do that? What do we tend to do instead? sit on the side, grumble, go talk to others. Man, would you believe that this guy did this to me? We gossip. We don't go off and talk to the person directly. Uh, the mandate of our church that's on the wall is to point Jesus or point people to Jesus by fostering relationship. And forgiveness is a huge part of, of that. You see, we are all broken. Uh, in a collection, in a church, hate to break it to you we're all screwed up and we're going to hurt each other from time to time that's just a given the question is not that conflict is going to happen or not but are we going to resolve it or not so jesus says somebody hurts you what do you do you go and you talk to them and you do it privately you don't gossip you don't whatever you go to them and just talk What if that doesn't work? What if they just aren't ready to admit it yet? They don't really think anything happened. The next step is to go talk. (laughs) This time you bring somebody else along. Now, the, the proper thing to do is to grab somebody who loves you and loves them, who knows them. Somebody who's willing to help invest in your guys' relationship. And you don't do it this way. You don't go, hey, Bob, Jim is a jerk. This is what he did to me recently. He screwed me over. Can you come in and help me, you know, have him pay? You don't do that. Instead, what you do is you go, hey, Bob, Jim and I, we have an issue, and we need your help. Can you come help us sort it out? You don't basically seed your jury already. What you do is you just bring somebody in to help you, and you talk through it. That's the right way to do it. Now, what happens if that doesn't work? Anybody guess what step three is? You go talk. But you add some more people to it. In this case, if, if you're all believers, you bring in some of church leadership. You bring in some others who are going to help you walk through it. It's an important step. You notice along the way we're trying to reconcile. We're trying to bring up our issues in a good way that we can actually cover things. Romans 12, 18 says that we are to do all that we can to live in peace with everyone. So you bring some other people together and it still doesn't work. They're still not ready to admit that there was a problem. What do you do then? Jesus said, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Sometimes we read that and we go, okay, we can just push them out. (laughs) They're just gone. How did Jesus treat tax collectors? He loved them. He still ate with them. He still spent time with them. But he knew they weren't Christians. He didn't treat them as Christians. He didn't expect them to act like Christians. He expected them to act like people who didn't know. To have Lamech. So he helped teach them. Prayed for them. Loved on them. And that's what we're supposed to do. So if somebody still isn't there, you still are called to love them. Now, it doesn't mean your relationship is back to normal. I've had some pretty painful times in my life where I've had friends that we went through some things, we resolved it, but our relationship just never was the same again. And Jesus isn't saying that it has to be all hunky-dory and great again. But we have to reconcile, and then we can forgive. We're going to be talking a lot more about this, about what happens if somebody won't reconcile with you. Do you forgive or not? How do you do that? We are going to be talking through that. I think it's important for us real quick here at the beginning of the series as well, just to to make sure we know what forgiveness is and what it's not. A few things that it's not. Forgiveness is not tolerating abuse. If you're in a situation where you are being abused, physically, verbally, emotionally, sexually, now's not the time for forgiveness. Now's the time for you to get in a safe place. If you're in a place like that, I strongly encourage you, get to some place to say, find somebody that you can talk with about it and get help. Um, The pastors here at the church, we would love to help you with that. So if you need help with something, please reach out to us. There may be a time for forgiveness down the road, definitely. But first, don't tolerate abuse. Get help. The second thing is, Forgiveness is not just excusing somebody else's behavior. We still need to resolve the conflict. We still need to try to hold them accountable best we can. It's not just letting everything go. And it's not ignoring. We may need to pick our battles. We shouldn't be offended at everything and bringing up everything that tweaks us a little bit. So we do need to pick it a little bit, but at the same time, we just can't ignore it and just let it go, let it go. And there's a reason for that. You've got to walk through it. It's good for you to walk through reconciliation and forgiveness, and it's good for that person too. A couple other quick things that forgiveness is not is reconciling, which we've already talked about. You need to reconcile separate from forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. You've heard that phrase, forgive and forget. Let's let's be honest. We're not going to forget. But what happens when you forgive is you surrender control to use that against the person in the future. Uh, I've been kind of describing forgiveness this way. When I do something wrong and I ask somebody forgiveness and I say, I'm sorry I did this, will you please forgive me? I lean in towards them. I surrender control. I can no longer defend myself. It's their choice whether they forgive me or not. And likewise, if somebody comes to me and says, will you forgive me? When I give forgiveness, I surrender control of lording it over them, and I lean in towards them. And you can see, when you have two people leaning together, it's called a relationship. Pretty awesome, right? And we need to do that. Forgiveness is not necessarily restoring or trusting again. It takes time. These things are a separate process. When trust is broken, it is hard to restore. You can forgive somebody, but it's okay to have some things that need to happen to be able to trust them again. Again, we'll be talking a lot more through this. Today is just kind of getting our, our foot in the water as of would. So what is forgiveness then? Well, forgiveness, first of all, is freeing. During that parable in verse 34, it says, The unforgiving servant was sent to prison. When you don't forgive, you imprison yourself you end up in a place of bitterness. Um, One of the books I read has the story of this gentleman who when he retired, he was cheated out of what he thought was money he deserved as kind of a bonus of leaving. He knew who did it, and he replayed that over and over. And even 10, 15, 20 years later, if you met him, you know, if you were his taxi driver or your checkout person in the grocery store, spent 10 minutes with this guy, you knew his story. (laughs) Ever know anybody like that? They're so bitter about something, it just oozes out of them all the time, right? He was imprisoned by his unforgiveness. And we don't want to be there. Uh, In this church, I've had conversations with some of you that um, you've had some difficult paths. Some painful things. And in some cases, some of you, you have a parent or a brother or sister or even a child that you haven't talked to some of you, in decades. The truth is you're both imprisoned by that. And we got to figure out how to unpack that, how you can get to a place of forgiveness. Another thing that forgiveness is is heart change. We often use the word heart in our culture and our music and everything to mean like emotions, right? Your heart, how you feel. In the Bible, heart means something different. It actually means your will, it means your decision-making, your attitude. So when you forgive somebody from your heart, it's not just an emotion piece. It's really a decision to forgive them, truly. You start to look at them as human again. A lot of times when somebody hurts us, we put a label on them. They lie to us, they are a liar. They cheat us, they're a cheater. They're not human anymore. When we forgive, we take those labels off and we look at them as a broken person just like us. How about um, here at church? Somebody hurts you and you don't have it resolved. You're you're unforgiven. You guys see each other in the lobbies you're walking through. And by the way, this really does happen, right? People put on a nice face. Hey, how are you doing? And whatever. And when they turn their back, they stab each other. They gossip. I can't believe that they're acting that way. That's middle school, right? We need to get past that. Heart posture is also about praying. Do you pray for the person? Not a prayer that, hey, God, help them see the error of their ways and change, right? It's a prayer going, God, bless them. Help us work this out. Seek the best for them. When you're imprisoned, you're kind of in the theater of the mind. You replay it over and over again, and maybe you're just hoping for a good choke. <laughs> just the opportunity to reach out to that person, right? Don't let the lament come out. The full verse here is, that's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. If you can't forgive somebody, I think Jesus is saying, you're not my disciple. Yikes. His words, not mine, right? It's important. Instead, our forgiveness should be a hallmark. It should be a marker. It should be a way that people know that we're a disciple of Jesus. Jesus told us this in John 13:35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's a new nature. It's a new way of us reacting and thinking to forgive, and it looks a lot like the kingdom, doesn't it? As a community of followers, we need each other. Of course, we need the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus in our lives to help us forgive, but we need each other. We need to be willing to ask and give forgiveness to one another and even hold each other accountable. If you have a friend that comes to you and, and starts just spouting off about somebody and you can tell that they're angry about something, it's okay for us to hold each other accountable. It's okay to look at them and say, have, have you talked to them yet? Do you need help talking to them? Have you forgiven them? We need that accountability because we need to become a community that practices forgiveness well so that we can show the unbelieving world around us what the kingdom of God looks like. Forgiveness is difficult. (laughs) I know that. The concept is simple, but practice is so hard. Our egos, our life get in the way. It's also so different. It has not been modeled for us. We often don't have a lot of good examples to look at of what it, it does, so again, we're going to be trying to talk through that and it's hard. It's an awkward situation to walk up to somebody and say, hey, you hurt me, and I need to talk to you about it. And likewise, if somebody walks up to you and says that, it's, it's a, not a fun conversation. But you need to be willing to walk through it. Maybe as a way for us to be able to do this, maybe as a way to get this started, is we need to lean into God's forgiveness. We need to remember how Christ forgave us of our sins.